Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast. I'm your host, AJ. Hey, I'm so glad that you're listening. I really am. I really appreciate that you're taking the time to listen, and I pray that these messages, these episodes, that they bless you. And I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today, that what we're going to study today. This is part two of the series, In, or excuse me, Him We Preach. I should know my own series message, shouldn't I? (laughs) The series, Him We Preach, this is part two. Hey, if you haven't listened to part one, go ahead and... uh, you know, you, if you could pause this one and go back and listen to part one. If you want to listen to this one, then go back to part one either way. But I highly suggest listening to part one because I'm teaching from a passage in the book of Colossians. And we're just going through it verse by verse. And of course, if you want to grab a Bible, if you're in a place to do that, if you're sitting and listening or working, or maybe you're working at home and you got your computer up and you're able to go back and forth from work screens to maybe like a, you know, Bible.com or BibleGateway.com or something like that, hey, might as well, right? Get the word in front of your eyes. If you want to jot down some notes and later today or in the morning time when you do your devotion time, whenever you sit down and read your Bible, go and read this passage. Colossians chapter 1 uh, verses 24 through 29 is what we're working our way through. And again, like I said, this is part two. And this is part two of what is going to be a three-part series. So there's going to be another part after this one. Part three will be coming out next Thursday. Of course, this is this podcast channel is still in its infancy and it's growing. I've had it for a while and I had to repent because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do by building it out, but that has all changed. And so here we are. We're in March of 2022 when I'm recording this. It's actually March uh, 3rd when I'm recording this, 2022. Uh, and so I've been in this about 10 weeks now putting up content, putting up information and episodes here on the podcast channel. Of course, come find me on Instagram as well, my personal VAJ Bible on Instagram. You can check with me there. I'm on Facebook. I have a TikTok. Don't do much over there. TikTok's absolutely crazy. Uh, I just painfully repost what I put up on Instagram Reels over there as well. But come connect with me. I would love to hear your testimony, hear how you're doing, how the Lord is working in your life, and how you're growing to be a mighty Christian, because that's my prayer for you. That's the purpose of Faith for My Generation podcast, is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. The power of God's Word, moved in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, is the change factor. That's what our nation needs. That's what our families need. That's what our schools need. That's what our governments need. That's what the people of the earth need, is the preached Word of God, uh, living and indwelling presence of the holy living God in our hearts, changing us and conforming us to His image. So, hey, let's get into it. Part two. Let me read this. I want to start with this each time. Uh, that we get into this study of Him we preach in Colossians chapter 1. Let me read this key point. As a Christian, I have Christ in me. This is the hope of glory and the solution to the problems of a sin-sick world. Having this hope, the gospel, the good news, I'm responsible to God, responsible to God to preach Christ by warning, teaching, and presenting all those who believe, despite persecution or sufferings. And I do this by the power of God in me. The last part, the last episode, uh, when we uh, began this teaching, I talked about how in Him we, or excuse me, I keep saying in Him, Him we preach and sufferings. There's a cost to following Christ, but my goodness, that cost is so small compared to to the reward. I hope that wasn't a bummer. I, I, I didn't want it to be a downer because, I mean, I believe in victory in Christ Jesus. I believe in going from victory to victory, living in success that is blood-bought by the precious blood of Jesus. He paid a price for us to live a victorious life in Him. I'm all about the victory, my friend, but there's just a reality. Jesus said it Himself. You know what? If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself, take up a cross, Imitate me. Follow me. And just like the world hated me, it it will hate you. But the reward of following Christ personally and then bringing people into the kingdom is so miraculous and so treasured 
that a cost, any cost, I'm willing to pay any cost. And then the next thing we spoke, we'd covered two points last episode. I'm not going to rehash that whole whole episode. Go and listen to it if you missed it. The second part we covered last time was, Him we preach, become a servant. If you want to preach Christ, you're going to have to have the heart of a servant to serve people. Christ said Himself, He came to the earth not to be served, but to serve mankind. He came not to be ministered to, but to minister and give His life a ransom for many. And so we're going to break new territory today. So Colossians 1, I'm going to start verse 24 and read up to verse 26. We're going to start in verse 26 today, but I want to read this whole passage each time we, we get together. Colossians 1.24 I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of His body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, him we preach. Warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working which works in me mightily. That's the whole passage, 24 through 29. Third point, him we preach, him we preach, revealing the mystery. Verse 26, the mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. That word mystery literally meaning a secret or a hidden truth has been revealed to us, his saints. Paul here, he's, pre, he, he's writing this letter to the, to the church in Colossus, and he tells them to pass it along to the church in Laodicea. And, uh, and as I mentioned last episode, uh, by the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Peter says in 2 Peter 2 that there is no private interpretation of prophecy. Uh, and, I, and I mentioned about biblical principle. Regardless of what God is speaking and who He is speaking to, there's always a biblical principle because we know this. I didn't mention this last time, but it just came to my heart and my spirit right now. God's not a respecter of persons. So if God tells one person and expects something of one person, He expects of someone else. But also if God will do for one by their faith, He will do it for another by their faith. God doesn't pick and choose. God doesn't have favorites. He honors faith. He doesn't just like provincially, uh, providently, uh, you know, predestine or just pick out or throw out, I'm going to bless you, but you not. No, it is on the measure of our faith that God responds to us. He responds to us based on our faith. We can see that with Jesus in the Gospels. Jesus is perfect theology. Woman, your faith's made you whole. Talking about the woman with the issue of blood. The centurion that wants his servant healed, he says, Jesus, don't even come to my house. I'm not worthy. I know how it works. I'm a Gentile. You're a Jew. Just speak the word. Jesus said, I haven't found faith this great in all of Israel. The Lord responds to our measure of faith. So God doesn't pick and choose. God doesn't play favorites. And so you need to know this, that there is a mystery which has been revealed, revealing the mystery Christ, Paul here, he's, 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 and that's the point I was getting at. My apologies. The point I'm making there was this book, even though this letter was written to the church in Coloss, and then he says, pass it to Laodicea, it doesn't mean that it's not for us today. I don't want to get, I covered that last episode. The Bible is written to you, it is a doctrine of devils, it is a deception in the earth when people allow Satan to deceive them and make them think, well, you know, that was written to so-and-so and it doesn't apply to us nowadays. We see that. Do you not see that through all the earth? I mean, do you not see that taking place, uh, you know, with sins? Well, you got to understand the Bible was written 3,500 years ago and it's put together and over the course of about 1,000 years and 
40 some odd authors and about 1500 year period of time that the word of God was put together. And, you know, it's just a different time nowadays. Don't you understand? It's just different. And the way they viewed, you know, certain sins like, uh, you know, homosexuality or fornication, living together, that just doesn't really apply today. You know, our culture has changed, bro. First off, if, if they say bro, red flag. <laughs> Don't you understand, bro? Like, Jesus wouldn't care about it, bro, okay? All right. If you use bro more than once... In the same sentence, red flag. I'm going to have to pray for you. <laughs> the Bible hasn't changed because God hasn't changed. God's unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And His Word does not change. His Word is relevant today as it ever was. It's amazing, isn't it? These people who think that the Word of God's not for today, somehow they're always messed up and jacked up with sin. And I, I'm look, I'm not judging. I'm not trying to make fun of people. But people who want to deteriorate the integrity of God's Word, they always suffer the consequence of it. People who want to distort and in, deteriorate the authority of God's Word always suffer the consequence of that. They want to take the Word of God and lower its level of authority and really build an idol because they don't want to serve the God of the Bible. They don't want to yield and submit to the God of the Bible. And rather, they lower the authority of the Word in their hearts and their minds. They construct an idol, a God of culture, a God of tradition, a God of pleasure. And then they suffer from it because the, those idols can't save them. These idols can't free them. So we know this, the Word of God's written for you. The Word of God is written for me, it's written for you. Won't you say that wherever you're at right now? Lord, I thank you that your Word is written to me. It's your message to me. That's how you have to view the Word of God. Tangent over. Rant over. <laughs> because the point I'm making right here is, him we preach, revealing the mystery. But that, that goes well with what we're talking about here. If we are, if you and I carry the Spirit of Christ in us, the hope of glory, if we have been given the gift of the gospel, the good news, we have a responsibility to tell people about Christ Jesus. We have a responsibility, as Paul's saying here in verse 26, to reveal this mystery, this hidden truth, this secret. See, it's not because God's made it a secret. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 3 and 4, it says this, that the God of this world, little g, Satan. In fact, you know what? Let me just read it. Let me read this. This is going to go, this is going to go with what we're talking about here. Second, Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled or hidden, it is hidden to those who are perishing, whose minds the God, little g, of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Well, we know this. The God of heaven is not going to blind the minds of men. He, 2 Peter 3, 9, God wishes that all. He's not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness, but God desires, wishes that all men be saved. 2 Peter 3, 9. So God's not going to blind the minds of men so that they don't see the glorious light of the gospel of Christ Jesus. The God of this age, the God of this world, the God of this present age and time, he's not going to be God forever, but Satan has usurped authority. When Adam and Eve sinned and transgressed against God, they gave over the authority that God gave them and gave it over to Satan. And Satan abdicated authority and usurped authority over mankind for a period of time. Now Christ, he came and he defeated Satan at the cross. And Jesus has given us authority through him by way of him as, as, a, as ambassadors of Christ Jesus. As a, through the power of attorney. He has commissioned us to go into the earth and do the work of himself, bearing the power and authority of his name with the power of his Holy Spirit. But for those who have not been saved, who are not saved, they are still under the lordship of Satan. 
There's only two sides. You, there, there is no gray area. There is no middle ground. Either you serve Christ or you serve Satan. It's that simple. And so we are to reveal this mystery. We are to make known this hidden truth because men's eyes have been blinded. You know what? I've got to make, I've got to make a note of this right now. Because I didn't even see that when I was preparing this for 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The God of this age is blinding the eyes of men and people, men and women. I say men as a general term, like mankind, of course. Mankind's eyes have been blinded. And it is not until the gospel is presented to them. It's not until you tell someone about what Jesus has done in your life. When you tell someone about what Jesus has done in your life, and you speak God's word in a situation, then the blinders get pulled off. And what is a mystery is revealed. See, we reveal the mystery. Well, okay, so let's define this mystery. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery. This is Paul speaking concerning about how Christ Jesus, he, Paul got this revelation by the Holy Ghost of the gospel. And we see it because it becomes 13 books in the New Testament, I believe. Roughly 13 books. I, 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 at this point, I'm trying to think with 13 or 14. I, I believe that he, there's some debate. Total side note. I'm not going to go on a rabbit trail. They're too dangerous because when I go down one, I'm hard, it's hard for me to get out of it. But I believe he, uh, Paul to be the author of Hebrews as well. It just seems like he is. I, and so I think that would make 14. 27 books in New Testament. So Paul, he says this, How that by revelation he's made known to me, Christ made known to me the mystery as I've briefly written already. Ephesians 3, 4, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Holy Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I become a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Paul's saying here, I received this heavenly download. That's what a revelation is. I got this revelation. I got a heavenly download into the hard drive of my spirit. I received this heavenly download, this revelation of the mystery of Christ. And the mystery of Christ is this, that the Messiah that the Old Testament prophets prophesied of, that there was one that was coming that would be born of David, that would come up out of Bethlehem. I mean, you can look at all these Old Testament prophecies. There's just dozens upon dozens of them that prophesy and pinpoint how Christ would come, virgin birth, when he would come, where he would be born, uh, uh, what he would do when he is on the earth, um, you know, where he would be crucified, how he would die. Uh, just so many dozens upon dozens of prophecies that, that have all been fulfilled. And so the mystery is this, that Christ came, but he did not come just for the people of Israel, just for the descendants, the natural descendants of Abraham. He came for anyone that would believe. And so we reveal this mystery. We have received this mystery of Christ Jesus, which is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We've been given the responsibility and the privilege to tell people about the mystery of Christ, which is, while you were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8, God loved you. While you were yet dead in sin, God loves you. I think I'm messing up that last part. I want to get it right word for word. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm sorry, I said God loves us, which he does. But obviously that's not one and the same there. But God demonstrates his own love. That's where I'm picking up the love. God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the mystery of Christ. 
It's a mystery. Why would Jesus die for me? Why would Jesus die for you? It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Why would Christ leave heaven? Why would the Word become flesh and be born of a virgin in a manger in the stable yard among animals? Why would the King of glory, why would the pinnacle of the glory of God, the praises of all the heavenly hosts, why would He humble Himself, humiliate Himself to become a man? Walk this earth as a man. We talked about that last episode. Philippians 2, humbling himself, having that spirit of humility to humble himself. Why? It's a mystery. It's it's a secret. It's a hidden truth. We know it to be true that Christ did it, but still it's a mystery, isn't it? My God, why? How you love us, Lord. I mean, are you taken right now in the all of God? The power of his love? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died obeying the Father in hopes that someone would believe on Him and receive the gift of eternal life. Why? Why would you do it, Lord? Because He loves me. Because He loves you. And that's that's what we get the privilege of revealing to people. You know, think about it. There's a lot of people that think God's mad at them. There's a lot of people that think that God's mad at them. They think that God is out to get them. I always like to tell people this. If God's out to get you, he'll get you. <laughs> do you actually think, like seriously, do you believe that the creator of all things who orchestrates of what we see before our eyes. Like, He is the infinite, almighty one, the beginning and the end. The world is framed by the words He spoke. And He's out to get you, but He ain't got, but he ain't got you yet. Like, what do you think? Like, oh, rats, I almost got him this time. I'll try again tomorrow. All right, angels, heavenly hosts, we'll try, the, we'll try to get that sucker tomorrow. We'll, we'll try and get that joker tomorrow. No, if God wants to get you, He's going to get you. Truth bomb, God's not out to get you. The only thing that chases you down from the Lord is the blessing. Deuteronomy chapter 28 tells us that. When you serve and obey God and you love God and your heart is set on His desires and His purposes, then His blessing, which maketh rich and addeth no sorrow to it, Proverbs 10 and 22, overtakes you, chases you down and overtakes you. The goodness of God brings man to repentance, the Bible tells us. And we have the privilege of revealing this to people because there's some people who think God's out to get them. They think that God's mean. They think that God's mad. They think that God's angry. They think that God is responsible for sin in the earth. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've had to reveal the mystery of Christ to people. In other words, tell them, hey, God didn't kill your child. Some people think that. Why'd God take my child? Why'd God cause me to get sick? If, if, if God's so loving and kind like you say he is, uh, you know, why is there so much destruction and war in the world? Because of sin. The earth, the book of Galatians tells us that the earth is groaning under the weight and curse of sin. Waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Revealed, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. The earth is groaning under the weight of sin. The curse of sin and Satan's rule in the earth is to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus said it in John 10. The thief, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. God's not responsible for the sin in the earth. 
Mankind is responsible for the sin that it commits. And sin produces death. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. I like to say it this way. The paycheck for the work of sin is death. The paycheck for the work of sin is death. If you go to work all week, you expect to get paid at the end of the week or bi-weekly or monthly, whatever the arrangement is. But at the end of your pay period, you expect to get a check. Why don't people, people don't understand that? Because they're, eye, they're blinded by the God of this age, Satan. They're in deception. But they don't realize that if I work the work of sin, the paycheck that I get is death and destruction. And that comes in many different ways. Through sin, through sickness, through disease, through poverty, through wars and famine, through abuse, through lies, adulteries. I mean, all it destroys divorces. I mean, it destroys. Sin destroys. And so we have the privilege of revealing to the world. And let me bring it real close because I feel like sometimes if I say like to the world, it's so far out there that it's not practical. You have the privilege of revealing who Jesus is to the people that God has brought into your life. Your family, maybe you're the only believer in your household, or maybe you've got someone in your home that doesn't believe in Christ. You need to reveal Christ to them. You need to show them who Jesus really is. Through His Word, by praying for them, by continually witnessing Christ, any opportunity you have to sneak in the Word of God, the truth of God in their life, and by living honorable before God and loving them even though they don't deserve it just because, because we didn't deserve the love we received from God. You have the privilege to reveal, to make known to people the true nature of God. We have to proclaim this good news. We're responsible. Look at this, Romans chapter 10, verse 14. It says this, I'm going to read verse 17, these four verses. How then shall they call on Him? Now that's capitalized, so it's Christ. How will they call on Jesus, on the Lord, in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Romans ten fourteen shows us how the, how the work and the ministry of the gospel is to be carried out through the earth. Okay, he's saying, how can they believe, how can they call? Because the verse right before it, 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Okay, so that's a statement. It's a spiritual truth. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Just a few verses before it says, if we believe in our heart that Jesus is the risen Son of God, confess Him Lord of our life, we shall be saved. So whoever calls on the name of the Lord, quoting the prophet Joel, shall be saved. And then the question is asked, but how can they call unless they've believed on Him? The way you confess Jesus Lord is you've believed on Him. But they can't believe unless they hear. And how can they hear unless someone tells them? And how can someone tell them unless they've been sent? But we have been sent because it says in verse 15, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Now what's so powerful about this is, this is from uh, Romans 10.15. You can look it up. Isaiah 52.7 and Nahum 1.15. Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is partially quoting Isaiah and Nahum, two Old Testament prophets, who were speaking of Christ. If you go and read these references... Isaiah 52, 7, Nahum 1, 5, 1 and 15. It's talking about Jesus. It's singular. How beautiful are His feet. It says how beautiful are His feet who bring, who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings. But here, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, 
So something's changed. What has changed? Since Christ came and fulfilled Isaiah and Nahum's prophet, how beautiful are his feet who preach the gospel. Something changed from his feet to our feet, those feet, their feet. His feet to their feet. Sorry, I'm not a gra grammar genius. <laughs> it took me a second to, to work through the words. How does it change from his feet to their feet? Well, Christ commissioned you and me. Mark 16, go into all the earth and preach the gospel. Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them and baptizing them. Make disciples. You and I have been commissioned, sent forth by Jesus into the earth to tell people about him. Because they cannot believe unless they hear. Romans 10, 17 is so used so often concerning how we build our faith. You know, you should never pray for faith. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans, everyone's given the measure of faith. Everyone has the ability to believe by God. And our faith increases in God or whatever else we hear. When we hear the word of God, our faith increases in God. But you know what? It, it works in any other area of life. If you hear, think about it. Doctors, nurses, physicians, medical staff, they go to years of training to where, I, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing to watch them work. They're working on people. You know, as a pastor, I visit a lot of people in hospitals, go and pray with them. But, I, you know, I see these precious doctors and nurses and physicians, and they have a knowledge, they have a faith in medicine. I'm not saying that's bad or wrong, but understand medicine can only do so much for you. But they have a faith in medicine. And again, I'm not tearing them down. I'm just making a point. They have a faith in medicine and what it can do because they have a knowledge of it. They've went to years, what, 8, 10, 12 years of school, if you're a specialist, even more. Years of schooling. They heard the information and knowledge so much that they learned it. It became a part of them. And it's amazing to watch them work. I mean, they just like recall, hey, this, this, these symptoms sounds like, sounds like this disease or illness, so we need these treatments. It's just in them. And the more you hear the Word of God, the more you get the Word of God in you, it's the same way. You assess a problem like a doctor. Hey, here's a problem. Here's the solution according to God's Word. You become a physician uh, to the sin-sick world. You say, okay, look, people, you know, someone's battling with depression, anxiety. Okay, that's the problem. That is the symptom. What is the root? Your thought life. What does the Bible say? You have to judge every single thought, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, and bring it in obedience to Christ. If it does not match up with the Word of God, you do not allow that thought to live in your mind. Ephesians 4, 22, 3 and 4. You put off the old man, renew the spirit of the mind, and put on the new man. So if you have thoughts that are causing depression, you must replace those thoughts with Philippians 4, 8, things that are good, pure, holy, just, and right. It's just how, and that's, that is God's prescription to living free from depression. And so, so the point I'm making here, the more you hear the word of God, the more your faith grows up. But if they don't hear, if you don't hear the word of God, you don't have faith. And he takes it all the way back to the foundational point. You can't even have faith to believe on Jesus unless you hear the message of the gospel. And guess what? God's not sending angels to do it. The angels of heaven are not going to preach the word of God in the earth. If they were, they missed a great opportunity in Acts 10 at the house of Cornelius. When the angel went to Cornelius and said, Hey, there's this guy named Peter, Simon Peter. He lives with Simon the Tanner. If you go find him, bring him to your house. He'll tell you what you need. Why didn't the angel just say, hey, you need to believe on Jesus? Because the angels of heaven are not commissioned to preach the gospel. You and I are. Jesus isn't going to come down and preach the gospel. Let me tell you something. Jesus will return in the air to rapture his church. That's the next prophetic event that will take place when Jesus snatches away the church. 
But when he, the next time he returns to the earth, his second coming, he will come in judgment. And he's going to set everything straight. And that's going to happen at the Battle of Armageddon when he slays the kings and the nations of the earth that rise against him. So Jesus isn't coming to preach the gospel. Next time he comes to the earth, he's coming with judgment. So who is left to preach the gospel? It's not angels, it's not Jesus, it's you and me. Working with God, working with the Holy Spirit, but we are the vessels. We are the preachers that preach the gospel. We are the proclaimers that proclaim the good news of Jesus. Because if we don't, they can't hear it. And if they can't hear the good news of Christ, how can they call on His name to be saved? See, we reveal what has been revealed to us. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16 Verse 13, Jesus is talking to, to his disciples, and he asked this question. He says, when Jesus came into the uh, region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? He's asking, Who do men say I, the Son of Man, am? In other words, I'm the Son of Man, but who do people say I am? Verse 14, so they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah or the one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? You know, uh, you may know what other people say about Christ, but what matters is what do you say about Jesus? What matters is what do you say? What is your commitment? What is your personal relationship? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ the Son of, of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon of Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. See, you and I, when we hear the gospel, the Holy Spirit moves on the word. When someone told you about Jesus, whether it was in a church, whether it was at your, with your family, whether it were your parents, whether it was a friend, uh, an outreach, whether it was through TV or YouTube or a podcast, when someone presented the message of the good news of Christ Jesus, that He came, He died on the cross, He died your death for your debt of sin so that you could be made alive. And by believing on Him as Lord. When you heard that, you received Christ and you received Him as He said He, as, as he said He was. You received Him as Lord. You received Him as the Son of God, risen and alive. You received Him as who He said He was. And then, by the power of the Holy Spirit, He's revealed to you. So what are we revealing? How do we reveal the mystery? We simply tell other people what has been revealed to us. It may be a mystery to other people at the time that we meet them and encounter them. But we know the hidden truth in the mystery of the gospel. And when we encounter people that are not saved, we tell them, reveal to them this secret hidden truth that Christ has come. He did live. He died on your cross for your sin, dying your death so that you could live his life. And that's what we get to reveal to people. That's what we make known to people. Now, let's move on. Point number four. Him we preach, Christ in us. Him we preach, Christ in us. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Don't you just love the, the sound of... Can you hear that in the mic? I'm sure you can. Don't you just love the sound of pages and a Bible being turned? You don't hear that as much. You know, I, I, sometimes... I, I, sometimes. I, I'm always listening to teachings, you know, preaching and teaching, and I use, listen to a lot on YouTube. And I listen to a lot of the older men as well, but there's, you know, there's contemporaries today that I love to listen to. You know, you should check out evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Jr., evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth, 
the Last Gen podcast. You need to check them out. Evangelist Preston Shuttlesworth, obviously those three men having the same last name, they're related, but almighty men of God. Uh, you know, check out, uh, hey, check us out on YouTube, Gospel Tabernacle Church on YouTube. Uh, there's so many contemporary, Bishop David Oyedepo, I'm just thinking in my mind, just, you know, br- different people that are in the earth right now um, that are so powerful and so mightily used of God. But I, I love listening to the, to, the, to the great men and women of faith who've already went on as well that just shook nations. You know, you listen to Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, Brother John Osteen. I was listening just, just before I got recording here, missionary evangelist T.L. Osborne. And you hear, they say, turn here, and you hear just this rush of paper. But hey, maybe use digital. That's cool. That's cool. I use digital all the time. It's easy for study. iPad, for sure. Having a, having a Bible, having access to my entire digital library on my phone, that's very convenient. But I love having a paper Bible. Anyway. I digress. Him we preach, Christ in us. Colossians 1, verse 27. To them, who is them? The Gentiles, you and me, his saints, but now has been revealed to his saints. His saints, you and I, the children of God, verse 27. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. To them God willed to make known whether the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, Christ in us. You know what, wherever you're at right now, I know I've already had you do this. I'm not just going to have you say things just for the fun of it. But it's important when you connect your heart and your mouth and your mind. That's what happens when you speak. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth, the mouth speaks. Once you say this, wherever you're at, Christ is in me. Christ is in me. Who you are preaching, you are not proclaiming. We are not proclaiming a message. We're not telling people about a doctrine. We're not telling people about a book. We're not telling people about an experience, though all those things take place and happen. We're telling people about a person. You and I are witnesses of encountering Jesus. You have the responsibility to tell people about Jesus. Now, obviously, His Word. He is His Word. So you do that by sharing the Word, of course. But understand, it's not just me trying to convince someone to read this book we call the Bible. The most printed, most well-trusted, most well-known, most pop, you know, published book in the entire history of mankind. Despite all that. I'm not just trying to convince someone to read the Bible. I'm not trying to just convince someone to show up at church. I'm telling them about a person. I'm telling them about Jesus. And His Spirit lives in me, lives in you. And we live in Him, dwell with Him. Now I want you to see this. Christ lives in us. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said unto them, unto him, If a man loves me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him or our home with him. That was the King James. Just for the fun, I want to see what the... That word abode is a powerful word. It has so many meanings. We will make our home with him will set up residency in Him. We'll come and bring our bags and unpack and stay in the room of His heart. We will dwell. We will pitch a tent in the pasture, the field, the woods of His heart and live there. The imagery might be getting a little weird at this point. 
I'll stop. <laughs> but but that word abode, it, it mean it's it, it is it's much more than just like kind of hanging out. No, Christ lives in me. Where you know, if Jesus were to give out his address, it would say the heart of AJ. Oh, here's my address. You can reach me at the heart of AJ. The heart of you. <laughs> the heart of Danette. Thank you for listening, Danette. Appreciate you listening. There's your shout out. <laughs> That's where Jesus lives, in my heart. And we live in Him. This is what we get to reveal. Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is the hope of glory. This is the, the promise of what is to come. You know, so many people think, well, if I get saved in that sweet by and by over in heaven, over in glory, over in Beulah land, man, we're going to have it made over there. Woo, Jesus, can't you, can you wait till we get over there? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's going to be good over there. Well, it is. It's going to be good over there. But it's good right now. It's good right in the here and now. You don't have to wait until the sweet by and by to experience Christ. Because Christ lives in us, that's the hope of glory. <laughs> that's the down payment. That's the taste of glory. We're experiencing Christ right now. He lives and dwells in us right now. His presence is in us right now. Christ is in us this moment. And we live in Him and have our being in Him and move in Him and dwell in Him. Now notice this. Christ lives in us, but also we live in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. It says this. Ephesians 2, verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together. With Christ, by grace, you have been saved. And raised us up together. And made us to sit together. Made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us. In Christ Jesus. Christ is in us, the hope of glory, but we also are in Christ. Because we've believed on Jesus, because God Almighty has shed abroad His love by saving us through His grace, we have been raised up just as Christ was resurrected from the dead, so you and I are resurrected unto His life. When you believe on Jesus... The Bible says in Romans 5 and 6, it makes this point. When you believe on Jesus, you die. You are crucified with Christ. You die with Christ. You are buried with Christ. And you are raised with Christ Jesus, spiritually. And Ephesians 2 is making this point. When you believe on Jesus, you have been raised up with Christ, seated with Him in heavenly places. You're in Christ Jesus. So just like I had you say that just a moment, Christ is in me, I want you to say this wherever you're at. Say it right now. I am in Christ. I am in Christ. Christ is in me, and I am in Christ. And this is what we proclaim to people. When you believe on Jesus, Jesus comes and fills your life. He changes you and makes you a new creation. And then you are seated with Him in heavenly places. I am spiritually seated with Christ in heavenly places. That, that will be no more of a reality when I die and go to heaven. I am seated with Him now in heavenly places. It's just that at this time, I'm on the earth as an ambassador in Christ. But legally, the kingdom, of course, we, you know, the Bible talks about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. We're part of the kingdom of heaven here. This force, an invasionary force on earth that is bringing about the will of God in an earth that is currently in rebellion under sin. Dr. Miles Monroe, a mighty man of God, he had a revelation of this kingdom. Man, 
Everything he taught was based on this idea of we are people, a part of the kingdom of God, and we're ambassadors. So just like an ambassador has citizenship and has legal rights in his nation he represents, if you're an ambassador to, to America, you are a citizen of America. You have legal rights as an American citizen, even though you may be in Belize or Argentina or Pakistan, wherever there's an embassy. You are treated and you are submitted to your nation, America, their laws, not the nation you're in. And that's how you and I are as ambassadors of Christ Jesus. Second uh, Corinthians 5 tells us that, that we stand in God's place, speaking his word on his behalf as ambassadors in Christ. We are in this earth. We are in it, but not of it. Right? Jesus told us we are in this world, but not birthed of it. We are birthed of God. John 1, he gave us the power to become sons of God. Not by the will of man or the will of flesh, but by the power of God, we've been born again into this kingdom of heaven. And we're in this earth as ambassadors, as representatives of Christ Jesus, declaring his truth and his word and his glory to everyone that we meet. And we make known to them, you can come be a part of this kingdom. You can have eternal life. You can be in Christ and Christ dwelling in you. And this is the glory. This is the solution to the problems of a sin-sick world. You need to get out of this world. You, you know, people talk about getting red-pilled or what is it? Uh, is it red pill, blue pill? I can't remember now the colors, but the matrix, right? Mortimus. Is it Mortimus? I may be getting that name wrong. But I remember, it, 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 you know, he comes in and he's talking to him in the Matrix. You can, you got two pills you can take. It's been a while since I've seen the movies. I can't remember the names. But if you've watched the Matrix, you know the scene I'm referring to. Here's these two pills. You want the truth or you want to just keep living in the lie? And when he takes that truth pill, he comes out and says, Okay, I'm getting out of this system of the Matrix. Yeah, it's kind of that same way it, here, isn't it? You know what? You can continue to live in the chaos and destruction of this world or you can live outside of it. Yeah, you and I as Christians, we're walking here. We, we, we're, we see everything that's crazy that's going on, but we're not in it. We're not part of it. We don't live in it. We live in the kingdom of heaven. We're just here for a time, for a short time. And why are we here? To tell people about Jesus. Why are we here? to make known the mystery of Christ, that Jesus has come, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God showed His love by giving His only begotten Son. And that's the message that we carry to everyone, everywhere. Hey, this brings me to the end of part two of Him We Preach in this series, Him We Preach, part two. So make sure you join me next Thursday. Every Monday, of course, I've got a wake-up call for you. A short, quick, devotional-style hit every Monday. And then every Thursday, a longer teaching-style episode. And next Thursday, make sure you join me here on the podcast channel next Thursday for part three of this series, Him We Preach, as we bring it to a close. I'm so thankful that you've joined me today. I'm so thankful that you've taken the time to listen. I pray these words have blessed you. I know they've blessed me, and I know this, that they're going to encourage you and equip you to do the work of the kingdom. And remember this, we are the faithful. I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you. And every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.